Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. Welcome along to the Master Builders Elevate podcast and I have two very special guests with me today that have collaborated on an incredible project uh, which we're going to dive into today. I'm joined by Ross Faulkner of Faulkner Construction and Natasha Markham of Markham Architecture and Urban Design. Welcome along to the podcast, both of you. Good Ryan. Thanks for having us. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Maybe Natasha, could you lead us off and give us a bit of background to um, you and your role and how you've ended up in the construction industry? Sure, Ryan. Um, well, I'm an architect um, in training and, and then um, more latterly, uh, I've worked in urban design as well. And um, so I've really had a foot in, in both camps over the last uh, 25 odd years. Um, I founded uh, my practice, Maud Markham Architecture and Urban Design, about eight years ago. And we're a boutique practice that specialises in well-crafted residential and commercial projects across a range of scales. Uh, I guess the other sort of interesting thing is that uh, I also um, co-host a podcast um, called 76 More Rooms about architecture. So for me, it's um, it's a delight to be on the other side of the mic for a change um, and a new experience in that in that sense. Oh, good, uh, good sign, Natasha, and the uh, audience listening will be able to uh, finish this episode and go straight over to what is it called? Seventy six rooms. Seventy six small rooms. <laughs> Seventy six more rooms, and uh, get some more hotel. And how about yourself, Ross? Are you also uh, moonlighting as a podcast host? No, no, not my, not my strength. Fortunately, I got involved in the building industry probably just over forty something years ago. Now I won't say how many years ago I was, but loved, loved the building industry and loved the challenges that it brings. Uh, that's something that has always got me out of bed in the morning is what the challenge is going to bring for the day and I'm scared away from the, the easier jobs and always aim for the more challenging jobs because that's where I've got my, my thrills for being able to see a, a job come to completion that's been specifically challenging in certain ways. Um, I had uh, an apprenticeship many years ago and set up my own business. Just, well, as I said, almost 40 years ago now and I've uh, been very passionate about it. I've got involved in the Master Builders organisation 25 years ago and, and I was on the open board for 18 years, like it was at the end of the day, and um, spent the last few years of that as the Auckland president. Got asked to get involved with the New Zealand Institute of Architects on a joint contracts committee, so I've been the resident uh, representative there and I've also been involved with the PCITO, which is through booking for quite a few years and as the National Advisory Group here of the carpentry sector. So uh, fully involved in the industry and uh, and also employed a lot of apprentices over the years. And- yeah, outstanding, Ross, and, and so many volunteer hours for you there and the contributions you've made to Master Builders and some of those other organisations. So thanks for the contribution to the industry. Uh, maybe before we get into the uh, project that we're going to talk about today, Ross, I'd be interested, one of, you know, you've been involved in the industry for you know, four decades. What would you observe as the biggest change you've seen happen in the industry in that time, do you think? Well, we used to use hand uh, beaters for drills and uh push drills and uh, Yankee screwdrivers and things like that, which is uh, something you don't see these days. And now you have battery-powered tools that do everything and, and more. Uh, it's a quite uh, 
revolutionary guide on with the battery power tool. I, I was going to say, um, in, a, in addition to the those technical changes, uh, one of the observations that I really noticed is that is no longer enough for builders to be good craftsmen alone, that, you know, your role as sort of administrators and kind of responding to all of those other pressures has really increased even in my <laughs> relatively uh, short time uh, in the industry. And I, I sort of that the the job for builders and actually for anyone in the construction industry is potentially more complex than it, it used to be. Understandable. For example, let's turn our attention to the project that you collaborated on. Uh, I assume, Natasha, the project came to you first because it was not only uh, you working as the architect, but it was also your home, I believe, that was worked on. So do you want to give us some uh, background to how the project came about? And then we'll get uh, Ross's perspective. Uh, sure. Um, well, it, it was a project that was always waiting to happen for us. Um, <laughs> architects are not unlike builders in that sense. So we'd actually lived in the home for about seven years before um, we were ready to uh, initiate uh, a tender process for um, uh, the construction of uh, the changes. And um, I think in terms of timing, we couldn't probably have asked for more challenging times. I think partway through the tender process, uh, we were hit with the first lockdown in response to COVID. Uh, so that was a challenge. And then, of course, during the build time, we um, had significant lockdowns here in Auckland, which were something that nobody could have foreseen in terms of the uh, the challenges that they provided to the the process. So I guess it was just a real thrill to see the project and the team um, receive fantastic recognition, um, certainly at the um, local branch um, Master Builder Awards and and also through the Architectural Design Awards as well. It's sort of, I think, a, a real pat on the back to everyone involved. And Natasha, tell us a bit about the personal journey of this home. What was it that attracted you to buy it in the first place? And did you always have a plan when you bought it? You always knew you were going to extend it and do some significant change or how's that come about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're longtime residents in this area in Auckland. And so we purchased the home with the intention to do something with it. Um, the attraction was that it, it hadn't really been touched for about 40 years. So there was a significant amount of, I guess you would call it remedial work required, um, as well as the uh, potential for an addition uh, to make it a, a modern home. Um, the, the home is located in a special character area in Auckland, so it comes with some quite uh, strict rules around the way that it can be um, renovated in terms of conforming to heritage controls in the area. But, you know, we just sort of saw that as part and parcel of um, what we were working with and, um, you know, uh, always love a challenge, as does do Ross and the team, um, to, to sort of see how we could uh, work with those but also make a contemporary home in, in the process. Nice. And for those of you listening who are more visual in orientation, we will have a uh, link to an excellent video which uh, demonstrates the home and what's been achieved in it. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes so you can go and have a look at that after the uh, after the episode. Um, Ross, how did you first get involved in this project? Yeah, well, we got uh, approached by Natasha originally uh, through a recommendation from another architect that we've done a lot of work with. And, uh, we'd been a lot of character homes like this and uh, I think um, when we met Natasha we had a good uh, affinity with each other and worked pretty well and I'm glad she chose us uh, for, the, for this project. And I'm really interested to learn from both of you 
Uh, how did you how did you know that it was going to be a good fit? Do you have a criteria, you know, Natasha, when you're selecting a, a builder? Because yes, this was your own project, but I'm sure you're involved in it in other client projects. And then Ross, I'd be interested to hear from you. What is it that you look for in a client that you're going to work on beside uh, Epic Challenge, which we heard you say at the beginning was something you look for? So Natasha, maybe back to you first. Sure. I mean, we're we're quite careful about who we work with. Um, we. Uh, if we're working um, for other clients, we want to have confidence that the building team are, are going to finish the project and interpret, interpret the detailing in a way that is consistent with um, the intent of the design that we've often worked with our clients on for, you know, in some cases, years. So um, that was really important to us always. Um, I think uh, it's helpful. We do take recommendations from other architects if we haven't worked with um, builders before or or other kind of respected people um, in the industry. I think in terms of what, um, you know, gave us a kind of signal that that the Faulkner team would be um, a good fit for us were a couple of things. Um, firstly, as I mentioned, we um, ran the tender process over a um, really challenging time and um, Ross and the team didn't skip a beat in terms of um, the response to issues and kind of just really following through. But the other thing was that um, there are a, a number of features within the home that were a little bit experimental. I mean, I think there's an opportunity if you're doing your own home to probably push ideas that you might not be able to do so with, with clients. So we've got some uh, brick floors that are... Um, use uh, heritage bricks that were recycled from the site. And Ross's response to that was like, oh, that looks really interesting. Um, let's see how we can make that happen. Um, so I sort of had a, a fairly good hunch that um, the team would be great to work with and, and sort of uh, solutions focused, um, which is um, always a really nice thing to, to kind of hear. And Ross, from your perspective, what are you looking for when you're uh, working with an architect? It's a personalities. There's some some people you get a, a bit of a bad feel for, and some you get a good feel for. And I I I've always tried to listen to my gut when I choose a client, uh, and uh, the people that are on a similar kind of wavelength and have a similar kind of principles. What I have very important that I have uh, faith that that the person's genuine. But, uh, it's very important you have a good relationship with the clients and the architect. Also, very important the architect is willing to listen, achieve the best outcome there. And uh, Natasha was great. Well, I think um, there's all conversations that go on on a regular basis, um, and you know, I think there's it's really important for us to be able to express the design intent and be able to put forward an idea about how something might happen, but to treat it as an open dialogue because actually at the end of the day, what we're trying to all achieve is a great outcome on site. And to a certain extent, you know, there's always a number of different ways to go about something, but to be able to have that dialogue to say, well, Actually, have you thought about it this way? And sometimes there might be um, something that one team brings up that, that becomes a solution. Sometimes there's um, something from the other side. And sometimes it's actually the conversation that, that presents a new third way of doing something that wasn't immediately obvious to either of us. So I think that those, those that openness to dialogue is super, super important. And that focus on the end goal, um, which is common to everybody, um, you know, 
that's fundamental. And Natasha, can you take us on a bit of a journey about uh, what the villa was like uh, pre-extension? What was it like to live in? What were the what were you trying to achieve with the extension? How was it going to shape the different way you lived in the house? What was the dream? Well, um, the the villa to live in uh, previously was um, probably like all of your villa horror stories. It was cold and it was drafty and. It, because of the the classic nature of villa plans, we tended to live um, from room to room, which, you know, was probably great for the Victorians, but it's not how any of us live today. So um, the there were sort of several key aims with the uh, design and with the renovation um, process. One was to create a, a, a home that responded to contemporary ways of living, family home. Um, the other one is that um, to respond to the topography, the house itself actually, the villa sits on a ridge with a fall to the street one way and, and to the northern garden um, on the uh, rear private side. So the new addition actually drops the living down to that garden, um, which means that we now have a home that is much more connected to our outdoor space, which, which pre- previously didn't happen. And and then I guess the, the third um, thing was to sort of create a, a home that was sort of warm and dry and all of those other functional requirements that make living more comfortable in the, in the 21st century. I love it. Brilliant. When we talk a lot about uh, sustainability in our industry, we don't have a spectacular track record right now. Uh, the amount of waste that construction creates is is nothing for us to be proud of. Um, how did you think about sustainability, both in a building process and a design process? So uh, maybe, Ross, if we come to you and talk about what, what your approach was to sustainability from a construction zone, and then Natasha will come back to you. There's a... A lot of good carry that we got out of the batch lining and that, which is a lot thicker than normal in places. So we were very conscious that we didn't want to get rid of any of that. We kept that aside to use for the new crawling that we made out of the boards, uh, new skirtings. Um, we did a bit of shelving with all these stair overlays. Uh, we took out of this timber, so it's quite a bit of beautiful timber to work with. And Natasha, from a design perspective, how did you think about incorporating sustainability approach? That reuse of materials was a... a- part of the design criteria right from the get-go. And as I mentioned, um, the opportunity to do your own home is also an opportunity to experiment, both in terms of the design outcomes, but actually in terms of that building process um, as well. So we we did try and recycle um, elements from the home that match lining that was stripped off so that we could insulate the walls. Um, We also um, salvaged bricks on site. I mean, obviously, you know, in the grand scheme of things, these are relatively small moves. But I think if you can start small, then you can look how you do how you can grow that and um, projects as you move forward. The other thing that was um, really important um, from a design perspective um, was just looking at the energy use of the home. So we've installed PV panels on the roof, but um, I also look very closely at the um, specification of systems within the home um, for heating um, and hot water heating and also our appliances to, to try and ensure that the draw of the, from those um, aspects was 
you know, as low as I could get it so that we could balance our energy consumption and production as, as closely as possible. And Natasha, for some who may not be familiar, a PV panel, is that a type of solar panel or what is that? PV panel stands for photovoltaic um, panel. So that's um, a solar panel on your roof that um, transfers um, solar energy into uh, DC current. I guess um, how that differs from what people might have thought of as solar panels in the past is Traditionally, some of those solar panels have been used um, to heat hot water, either for a hot water system or a panel. This allows you to use that energy in a um, broader sense within the home. So you can use it to charge your iPhone as well? Yes, you can. <laughs> very, very important. Angle. Brilliant. Brilliant. And this this home went on to win the in the National House of the Year, won the category for innovation over $1.5 million. Ross, tell me, what was the emotion like? You're sitting there in the audience, you're waiting for it to be announced, you're one of the nominees uh, as a finalist. Uh, what were you thinking heading into the announcement and then what was it like to actually hear that announcement and then accept the award? It was interesting that, that those nights, the categories are, are given out with gold, silver and bronze to start with and you always sit there very nervously. But um, we'd, we'd won the gold, we were certainly elated when we heard our names, a testing result for all the guys and as really great night. Not only that, but we also won the Craftsmanship Award. I think that was a real thrill from my end to um, Ross to see your team recognised for the Craftsmanship Award. You know, I, I I thought that was so well deserved and, you know, I, I know that it meant a lot to you and I think actually for us it was, um, yeah, that was probably the most thrilling <laughs> moment. Yeah, very special. Outstanding. And uh, as construction companies, I don't think we ever set out to uh, do something just to get the award and the reward. Uh, you know, it's about doing a good project and then this feels like just epic icing on the cake when you get uh, public recognition for what you've achieved. So well done. Um, look, I'm, I'm interested, you know, no no build, no project is perfect. Um, I'm interested to hear uh, one thing now with the benefit of hindsight that you might do a little bit differently if you were to do a project again. And also one thing that you were just like, we absolutely nailed that and it was so good. So we, we do that on every project. What would be what would be the those two examples from each of you? Tasha, you want to go first? I'm stumped. That's probably a good thing. It's probably a good thing if there was no no big uh, disasters that you'd be going, oh my gosh, we certainly wouldn't do that again. So that's probably a good sign. Well, I, it's not that challenges didn't come up. I mean, it, there were so many um, factors to consider, particularly in terms of the build process. But I think that that was the thing. It was a process and you work through them. And I, I so I don't think that there were any, any big regrets in that sense. Um, there were the... The issues were managed, um, and that's what you would hope for in any project. You you scope things as 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 well as you can, so to avoid um, difficult things in uh, you know on site. Inevitably, something comes up comes up in any project, but it's how you deal with it. And um, to that sense, in that sense, I think I think everything was managed pretty well in the end. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Ross? Yeah, I, I hesitated when I heard the question too. I don't think there was anything. The whole villa was being supported on the new work that we had provided underneath. And we had these big trucks that were just squeezing underneath these branches that had been propped up to try and look after them. Roots appearing underneath the house where they shouldn't be and getting a swimming pool at the back of the house as well and not having any room ready on the back of the house to store goods. So it was, it was, a, it was a real good challenge, but um, nothing I'd do differently, actually. 
Outstanding. And I guess that's part of also what makes it exciting for the build team is that it's all it's all about perspective, right? One is to call everything you do as a challenge, one to say, hey, there's something unique and interesting here about what we're doing. So, you know, how do we find a solution to it, which is uh possibly a little more interesting than um doing the same same build every single day, you know, uh cookie cutter type type building. Um, not that I'm I'm saying there's anything wrong with that approach. It it's suitable for a certain part of the market, but I can see how this kind of uh, project keeps your team really interested uh, with the the challenges that that come along with it. Yeah, it does. If you were to think about, you were very new. You've just started an architecture practice, or you've just started a construction company. What uh, what worldly advice would you give? To- Great question. I mean, I think be curious. Um, scope as much as you can beforehand. I mean, we really we we put a lot of energy in at the very beginning of a project to find out as much as we can about the site or the building or the neighbourhood. You know, doing that work up front. The old sort of measure twice, cut once. It applies in design as well as on a building site. It's absolutely important. We're, we're hoping by the time we get to um, being on site that we've we've minimised the changes as, as much as possible. Um, and I think plan ahead, have open conversations. Um, yeah, walk into things with a you know a certain degree of openness. Yeah, I've heard that open-minded communication uh, right through this uh, episode uh, from both of you about just how important that is as a critical factor for success. And uh, no surprise, it's an element that comes up whether we're talking to our legal experts uh, on the podcast about how our best to avoid getting into tricky situations. It's about communication, communication, communication. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you guys are uh, echoing that. Um, Ross, how about from you? What uh, what advice would you give to someone starting out in their construction journey? Make sure you know what you're doing. Put the project in your mind to get on board with it and fully understand the challenges of the project and find a way in your own mind of you're going to meet that challenge and, and, and beat it. You don't think you can do it, get out of it, but if you, if you think you can do it and you understand what you're getting involved in, you'll be all right. Good advice. Good advice. Um, team, look, thank you so much for sharing some insights about this uh, project. Um, I have seen the video, which we'll have in the show notes. It's an incredible uh, design. Tasha, well done to you. Um, and then Ross, to you and your team being able to execute that uh, design and bring it to fruition. It's really an incredible piece of work. So congratulations uh, to both of you and to your teams for, for bringing it together. It's really quite spectacular. Um, if any of our uh, listeners would like to connect with you directly, what would be the best way to get in contact, Natasha? Uh, well, you can um, check out check out our website, www.maud.nz. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, and I guess our podcast is on SoundCloud and Spotify uh, and all of those great places as well. Nice. And Ross, you and your team? Yes, uh, you can look for us on London Fort Construction um, website, which is www fclnz.com. Fantastic. And we'll make sure we again put those uh, website addresses, podcast links, et cetera, into the show notes so people can find them nice and easily with a, with a single click. Hey, thank you both for uh, joining us on the podcast today. We appreciate you sharing the experience. It's been a joy to have a conversation with you both.